Hey everyone, this is Dorinda. Welcome to the podcast. This week's podcast is on anxiety and technology. I am extra excited. I always say I'm excited, but I'm extra excited today because this is a a struggle for most of us to try to figure out how do we steward technology in our lives as wives, moms. Um, There's already so much going on in our lives and this is just another thing to manage. And so I'm hoping that today um, we will be able to uh, unpack this in a really practical and common sense way that will give you tools to help you understand how God wants to steward, wants you to steward this area of your life. So um, today um, I have my daughter with me, joining me. Um, most of you know that I, we have eight kids and Jenna is our second child. She is the second girl and uh, she is just a whole lot of fun. Jenna is married to Sam. She has a little girl who's almost three named Abby. Avonlea is her full name from the series uh, Anne of Green Gables, named after that cute little town there um, in that um, movie series uh, called Road to Avonlea. So that is her name and I love that name. When she picked that name, I said, that is so perfect. But we call her Abby, and she is just about three kids in one. She is a whole lot of fun. She's a spitfire and smart. Oh, my goodness. And I'm not saying that just because I'm the Nana. I'm telling you, this kid is smart as a whip. So before I introduce you to Jenna, I just want to let you guys know, if you haven't listened before, um, I you, I just told you I've got eight kids. We, uh, My husband and I have been married for 28 years, and we have uh, four grandkids. And um, we are busy, 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 but having a whole lot of fun. Um, we've been homeschooling over 20 years. And so Jenna is a homeschool graduate. And uh, so I'm sure she'll have um, some interesting little comments to make along the way. It's always fun to see how your adult children look back on their years of homeschooling. And um, it, it's, it can be scary and it can be funny and it can be eye-opening. <laughs> But anyway, um, if you want to connect with me a little bit more, um, I just do the podcast once a week, but I'm on Facebook um, at Dorenda Wilson and Instagram at Dorenda Lee Wilson. So it's kind of an unusual name, so it's pretty easy to, tr- to track me down um, if you want to connect with me there. If that's not your thing, I totally get it. I would love for you just to listen to the podcast every week and maybe check out my blog, DorendaWilson.com. So... Let's dive right into this. This is Jenna. She is 24 years old. You'll be 25 pretty soon, won't you, Jenna? Yes. Yes. Ah. Well, I am so glad that you decided to join us because um, we just always have so much fun when we do this stuff together. (laughs) And um, some of you might already know, um, and I've been very um, transparent with this, and Jenna is too, that she's probably the one kid that grew my faith the most. And... um, just she gave me a lot of challenges but they were challenges I desperately needed so I am so thankful for her because she really uh she grew me a lot and um I still have lots of growing yet to do but I love the adult relationship that we have and uh how much fun we can have together we sort of had this really deep and wide relationship wouldn't you say that Jenna Mm-hmm. Yeah, Definitely. yeah. We have some pretty, pretty uh, amazing talks. And when I call her, you know, sometimes I call her thinking I'm going to encourage her, and she ends up encouraging me. So, um, so let's dive right in here. And thank you, Jenna, for for being here. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. 
All right, so we want to dive right in here and talk about anxiety and technology and kind of how they're related, Um, because we know that there's a connection there. Um, The kind of technology we have, smartphones and all of that, haven't been out for a super long time, so there's not a lot of extensive um, studies that have been done over a long period of time, but they are already starting to see a lot of connection um, between technology and anxiety. Um, I think technology can be fantastic, um, but I also think, uh, like I said earlier, we have to steward that area of our lives just like every other area of our lives. And so technology can, you know, create, it can create anxiety and it can add to our anxiety. So Jenna, I was wondering if you would share um, just kind of how you found technology to sort of add to your anxiety along the way, especially as a mom, like maybe even can. Uh, compare the difference between before you had kids and after? Um, I would say that, like, really, honestly, the moment you find out you're pregnant is when anxiety starts to pile on because, you know, you start to compare with other moms online because there's there's great little communities online, but you have to be super, super careful about which ones you participate in because there's some crazy judgment that you run into and... um, we know too much about each other. Right, right. <laughs> you know, um, it's just too much information about everyone and everyone judging each other. And it's not a, it's not a face-to-face relationship. And so it's, it's much easier to sit back and judge someone than it is to actually, you would never have that conversation face-to-face with them. You would never tell them that you look down on them for a certain parenting decision or something like that. Right. You would never say that, but somehow it's acceptable on the internet. And that just creates a whole world of anxiety and bad feelings. And you don't actually need to participate in that. Right. It's completely unnecessary. Right. It's way it along the way. Are you getting enough support from that group of moms or that particular mom that you follow on Instagram or Facebook or whatever to cancel out the anxiety that that creates in you. Exactly. Exactly. It's that whole thing of, um, just having discernment, um, as to whether or not someone really has, um, the right to speak into your life. You know, for me, um, when, when someone's talking to me on the internet, they know nothing about me. Like you were saying earlier, they don't ever have that face-to-face contact. And you've said to me before, I just want to ask that person, would you say that to the person if you were in the grocery store line? Would you ever say that face-to-face? And um, that probably eliminates a lot of comments that shouldn't be made. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that, and when you talk about judging, that is such a trigger word right now. So... Mm-hmm. And there's part of me that goes, okay, wait, we all make assumptions when someone uses the word judging. So mm-hmm. I feel like, um, you know, that the Lord wants us to learn to be discerning and have wisdom. And that means that sometimes people are going to tell us something that maybe we don't want to hear or we don't want to look at. But I, can you tell me, like, how... How do you define that, you know, especially if it's somebody you only know on the internet? Do you think they have, do you even think they have even a small amount to say in that area? Or should that just not even happen? What What are your feelings um, on that? I've seen it before where some moms, like on a practical level, if you see a picture of another mom's kid 
not properly buckled in a car seat, I think it's okay to say something. Be very careful and gentle about how you use your words, but you want their kid to be safe. Um, I think that's one thing, but I think you making decisions about whether someone doesn't vaccinate mm-hmm. or they do, or um, whether or not they're sending their kids to preschool or they're keeping them home and homeschooling, it, it varies. Um, really, that's there's certain life decisions that um, you have no say in in someone else's life, and you maybe wouldn't choose that, but it's not it's not up to you. Right. Um, and I think I think that's an important place to draw the boundary is what would you feel comfortable with someone saying to you? Right. Right. Where would what areas do you feel comfortable? being judged in basically. Right. right. Well, if someone was going to talk to me about, um, I think I'm thinking more like the, the hills that, um, are worth dying on, not the ones that aren't like, you know, cloth diapering versus, you know, disposable diapers, you know, organic food or not. Um, I think if someone asks, you know, maybe you could have a gentle input on that, but I think I'm, but then I'm thinking more, um, as I think more about like my personal life and, and maybe uh, um, I'm in some conflict with my husband over something, you know, like some people will share that conflict online and, and we, and, but we always only share our perspective on it. Like mm-hmm. our, so it's really, I don't feel like that's a place where we can get uh, marital counseling or if we can, it's very minimal. Um, I th- um, absolutely. Don't you think that we should resort to more real life relationships when it comes to that kind of thing? Well, there are, there's always women in your church or, right. you know, there's always, it always seems like there's a Bible study or a Titus two group somewhere to be had or a mops group. I think those face to face relationships are good. And, um, I honestly, I would never bring marital problems or conflicts to an online group. Right. Ever. Okay. Ever, 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 ever. Because That's how I feel too. No control over who sees that. And that is your worst 10%, you know, <laughs> or 1% that someone is going to see and make judgments And make on judgments, it. yeah. You can't take that back once that's out there. And um, I think in a face-to-face relationship with someone that you trust, because you really are only going to have a face-to-face conversation about a conflict in your marriage with someone you trust. Right. Um, So I I think that um, it's way easy. It's way too easy to get too personal and too open online sometimes because we want the instant gratification of some sort of answer. Right, right. And that's, yeah, that's funny because that kind of goes back to a lot of what I talk about a lot of the time is waiting on the Lord. This whole idea of being unhurried and slowing our hearts down has such a ripple effect. Are we willing to be uncomfortable with something unresolved and bring it before the Lord first and ask him to bring uh bring resolution and to bring clarity and to bring wisdom, um, to us. And there again, it's, I've talked about this before. It's, it's whether we're going to the world for our answers, going to Egypt for our answers, or whether we're going to the Lord for our answers. And 
Um, and obviously, sometimes the Lord uses the world to give us an answer. But other times, um, a lot of the time, I think we should uh, have had that time with him. And then the answer that comes along just confirms what we feel like he's already telling us. And um, so, <laughs> is that Abby knocking on the door? That is my child knocking on the door. I'm my so, mothers, we can use our greatest powers of ignoring right now because that's what Jenna and I are going to do. Now, mind you, we, we need to be, now, this is all going out on the internet, so we need to clarify, she is not out there by herself. <laughs> Her daddy is out there with her, but clearly not watching her. <laughs> well, he's trying to cook and... Oh, um, he's multitasking. Oh, how sweet. Nice that he's cooking. <laughs> Gosh, I need him over here. Um, <laughs> it's nothing but a trip across the country he can't take care of, right? Um, okay, so let's unpack this in a practical way. So we kind of talked about some of the details of what that looks like, you know, and the real question coming down to are we going to the world for our answers, rushing to the, our phones, rushing to our computers to try to get some sort of resolution and something to make us feel better because we always, we're looking for comfort. And I think that that's one thing that um, the internet and smartphones do often do is give us a false sense of comfort. Wouldn't you say that? We've talked about this before where we say, oh, we're, we're kind of done. We just want to check out. So we go on our phones. But the reality is That's it's, not checking it's out. actually not checking out. And so let's go talk. Well, this brings us right into the next thing I wanted to talk about, which is the long-term effects of too much information um, leads to confusion, uncertainty, delay and an inability to take uh, to make decisions and a sense of frustration and dissatisfaction from misplaced expectations. Now that was kind of loaded, but the bottom line is you can hear that too much information leads to all these different things that can cause anxiety um, when you're feeling confused, when you're feeling uncertain, when there's too many uncertain things swirling around in your brain. Um, when you don't feel like you can move forward, um, having an inability to, to make decisions. I find myself, sometimes when I've been on the internet too much, like I can't make a decision to save my life. You know, what kind of deli meat do I want at the grocery store? Uh, uh, I don't know. All this stuff is swirling through my head. So, you know, um, and then also here it talks about a sense of frustration and dissatisfaction or discontentment, we could say, from misplaced expectations, right? Okay, so let's unpack this. So the, these, um, you know, all of these things affect us uniquely, but like I said before, they're already coming back with studies that confirm what I just read about all these different ways that anxiety can cause, or technology can cause anxiety in our hearts and in our minds. Um, so, we have these boundaries that God's put on us, and um, they're, I think they're mental health, emotional health, spiritual health boundaries, and this is why God allows us to feel anxiety when we step outside of them. What are your thoughts on that, Jenna? Do you think that that's true? or? I think so, yeah. Um, Do you feel like God's put boundaries on you when it comes to to Definitely. the internet. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm a fairly empathetic person. Like mm -hmm. when I see someone post a GoFundMe or a story about some kid with cancer, I think about the mom right behind that kid with cancer and right. I think what she's going through. And, um, 
just, you know, it, it stirs up all these emotions that I wouldn't have felt or been spending energy on if I hadn't run across that story and if I hadn't been scrolling through Facebook on my phone and if my toddler wasn't destroying something in the other room <laughs> while I was using my Exactly. To, to, towards that, you know, just to feel right. things, you know. Right. There's nothing wrong with being an empathetic person, but it does create anxiety and frustration and just general negative feelings inside of you when you're allowing yourself to take that in. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's, it's, it wears us down. Um, it's using energy that was meant for something else. So again, it goes back to a stewardship thing. Okay. I've got a certain amount of energy every day. Where does God want me to yield? Where, where does God want me to spend that? And am I yielding to that? And it's so hard sometimes because it just, you know, sucks you in. And, um, I remember when you guys were little, so we can talk about sort of I just want to kind of talk about the generational difference here. You're struggling with this with little kids at home. And when I had little kids at home, I didn't have any of that. We didn't have the internet. We didn't have, I mean, we did part of the time when some of the younger kids were little, but it still wasn't as all consuming as like our smartphones have made things. Um, but I remember when you guys were little, um, there there is something that comes with being a mom, especially of young children, where there's this amazing amount of compassion and empathy. And I really think it has a lot to do with hormones. Like we have the, this progesterone running through our system really strongly during those childbearing years. And, um, and, and the result of that is that we just, there's, there's empathy for these, um, like you said, you know, for that mom whose child has cancer or something. And it's just, it's so um, unsettling. And I remember just feeling that way about the news. You know, I could not watch the news because I just felt like there's no hope in this world. And um, yeah. and it's even worse now. So I don't know. I felt it back then. And I, so, you know, um, I, my husband and I decided that we just weren't going to watch it. And if something big happened, we always heard about it from somebody. If there's something we needed to know about it. And if we got you know, if we were kind of a little, um, unsure of that decision, we just said, Lord, if you want us to know what's going on in the world, would you please, you know, bring it to us somehow. We'll see it somewhere. We'll hear it from someone or, so we don't have to have this constant stream of, um, coming into our home, you know, um, what's one guy referred to it as like a sewer line into your home. And so we have to be really careful, the images that our kids are seeing and that we're watching, Mm-hmm. And in a podcast, uh, the next podcast or the one after, depending on how long this one ends up, um, I want to talk about protecting our kids from the media and all of that. So we'll talk more about that later. But I just, there was a tenderness there and an empathy there that just threw me over the edge when it came to watching other people suffering. Um, I was, I had enough just trying to keep a, a, a grip on my anxiety for my own family. <laughs> And so um, that's how we chose to handle it. And, you know, some people accused us of being um, misinformed or, but, you know, we never missed anything that God had for us and that he wanted us to know. Um, So, uh, okay. So if you look back at at when I was growing up or when uh, my parents were growing up, uh, we were exposed to so much less. And I think you, even Jenna, as a child were 
exposed to less, don't you think? Yeah, like this this 20, almost 25 year block of my life has seen the most explosive, like personal technology um, ever, really. Like right. if you think about it, when I was born, if cell phones existed, they were ginormous. Right. And by the time I turned 18, I had my own smartphone with a touch screen and everything. Like, you know, it's right. just really kind of mind blowing. And I think um, a lot of moms my age don't sit down and think about the consequences of that. Like, mm-hmm. yes, it's convenient, but there's also all these consequences that come with it. Like, we don't know how it affects us because obviously, like you said, there's been no long-term study on it, but I have a feeling in the next 20 years or so, we're going to find out a lot about it and Mm -hmm. um, probably have a few regrets if we don't, if we don't sit down and find um, a way for us that works. Right. Deal with technology and what it brings into our lives and, to really learn to be boundary setters and stewards of our own emotional energy. Exactly. That's exactly right. And and I think there again, that is a pressing into the Lord and asking him. And I know you've done that. And I've just watched him just give you so much wisdom, um, you know, to really manage that well. Um, you know, there are times I, I text you and I don't hear anything back and, you know, and I just know she's managing her technology and I appreciate that. And, um, so I, I get a little more, uh, insistent and eventually she answers me, <laughs> but you know, I'm the mom, right? <laughs> it's what we do. <laughs> so, um, so you were just talking about this, but we're, we want to unpack, um, a little more like exactly what we're dealing with when it comes to technology. So what we're taking in, what we're looking at, what we're absorbing absorbing, and not bringing closure to, okay? So um, what I wanna uh, kind of mention here is, okay, so women, we know everything connects in our brains and our emotions. Guys are a lot more boxy, right? They, they can go from one box to the next and forget all the emotion left. Exactly. We can't do that. God did not create us that way. And therefore, we have to handle things and manage things differently. But the thing that um, I always think about is, is our brains are kind of like a computer. And we pull up these tabs. And before we know it, we have 20 tabs pulled up and none of that has closure. So as we're reading through our Facebook feed and we're seeing the news and we're seeing GoFundMe posts and we're seeing friends posts and we're seeing advertisements, we have all these things come in and there's no uh, time to filter them and say, uh, you know, what would the Lord have me do with this? What would the Lord have me do with this? You know, Lord, what do you want to do about this? There's no time. It's just, it's nanoseconds. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Jenna? I feel like as as you go throughout the day and you see those things, a lot of times, like, they're never, they're, they're hard to close down in your mind because they're all intertangled. Everything connects to everything. And it's hard to close one tab when you're not quite done with this tab. And, you know, you want to think a little bit more about this tab because it connects to this one. And it's hard, it's hard to decide like what you should and shouldn't be thinking about. I would just say at that point, shut it all down. Right, right. Throw it all out, close it down, 
and put your phone away in another room somewhere where you're gonna forget about it for a few hours and just focus on the here and now and your kids and often you'll find that it's so it's such a relief right right there's a peace that comes with it so how do you know when that time is that you just got to shut it down I literally start to feel like I can feel the anxiety like tightening up in my chest mm-hmm. and stuff and mm-hmm. I start to breathe faster and I can I can tell you right know, you have to pay attention to what your body is doing while you're reading this because your body is reacting and it's telling you shut it down shut it down <laughs> abort abort <laughs> You've had enough. Right, right. And that's so important to listen to that. And there again, that is a boundary that God puts on us. He gave us these bodies that say enough. And so we need to make sure that we're listening to that because it's really God through his creation telling us you're done and it's okay to be done and walk away. You know, don't play, you know, walk away. Um, for me, what happens is my mind starts to get really confused. Like I start to get, I don't know, confused. I can't seem to focus. Like I'm, my brain's going all these different directions and I start to get really sleepy (laughs) and tired. And then I know, gosh, Dorinda, what are you doing to yourself? Stop it. Stop the madness right now. So that is something that's those are really I love those tools that you mentioned just just listening to your body and and knowing what your signals are God's given those to you for a reason and um and I I just love that he loves us so much that he lets us feel that to get our attention to help take good care of us so it's it's a caring thing it's not a punishment or anything like that it's just a like I love you and I want to protect you from this just like we want to protect our kids from stuff you know like if something comes on the screen and we don't want them to see man we cover their eyes in a nanosecond because we're like no I don't want you to see that Mm -hmm. if you're sitting there starting to feel your body do those things don't google anything right bad time to google (laughs) don't google Google. Yes. It's the opposite of what you should be doing. Exactly. And you know, that's one thing that I was thinking about the other day. I was thinking a really good tool is if you find yourself freaking out about something, like seriously feeling fearful about something, do not Google it. Pray about it. Do not Google it. (laughs) That's another thing. I mentioned that anxiety starts like the mom anxiety starts as soon as you get a positive pregnancy test. It also starts. That's when you start Googling things. (laughs) Like for real. (laughs) Well, you know, we used to just ask mom or grandma or, you know, somebody else. And and this is very interesting. I was reading some information on the current generation and just kind of how they're getting information, specifically on students and um, how they're faring and where they're getting their information. It's very interesting because they are very clearly getting most of their information, pretty much all of it from technology and not from other adults. So here's a heads up moms with kids and especially school age, um, if you're homeschooling, this is really important that you keep that relationship nurtured, fed, engaged, because you want your kids coming to you with questions. You want them, you know, obviously there's some things they're going to be able to find on the internet and it's good for them to know how to use it and what resources are reliable and all of that. But you want them to value the relationship with you and with people over that technology. So I just needed to throw that in there. 
Go ahead. It used to be it used to be the neighbor kids that you had to worry about. What yes. were your kids from the neighbor kids? Ex now it's Google. So exactly for that. <laughs> exactly, and like I said, it, the Google. I mean, all that can be a really awesome thing. I, when we were traveling across the country, um, moving to North Carolina five months ago. Um, we would just be driving along and we would see something and we'd go, oh, I wonder what that is. And we would, I would Google it and I'd read it to the kids and it was, oh, these are, these are, um, you know, snow fences that keep the snow from blowing onto the highway because when it snows here, the wind blows and da, 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 da. And this is the guy who invented it. And so in that respect, it was an awesome tool as we're going across the country and seeing all these different things we've never seen before. So, um, again, it's about stewardship. So, and on the other hand, sometimes it's okay to wonder and not Google. That is very true. That is very true. And that's a whole nother podcast because really allowing our kids to be bored for a while actually, uh, for lack of a better term, makes them smarter because they have, to, they have to sit with questions and they have to wonder and then they have to sort of like think about, well, maybe it's this and maybe it's that and experiment and try things out. So that's that's a really good point, Jen. I'm glad you brought that up. You guys did a lot of that. <laughs> so so we're watching the news and GoFundMe and friends posts and advertisements and all these things. Okay, but here's the thing. We don't really know um, anything about a lot of the people that we're reading about. Like a lot of my Facebook friends, I've never met in real life. Like I never sat down and had coffee with them. And even some of the friends that I kind of know and am acquainted with, I have never sat down and had coffee with in a real heart to heart conversation. And so we make assumptions um, when we're only getting part of the story, never the whole story. Um, several months back, I shared a thing for a GoFundMe for a couple who... Um, the, the state was taking away their child and the, you know, I read the whole thing and I was like, this is an outrage, you know? So I shared it. Well, I come to find out later that there was some, I mean, it seemed really legit. I really tried to read it thoroughly and, and make a good decision. And I just, I didn't look deep enough. I, there wasn't enough information there for me to make a good decision. And it turns out that these, these guys had some issues with the law. There was some background there that I didn't realize. There was uh, some, some something about that and a little bit of uh, abuse in the relationship between the mom and the dad. And so, you know, there was a whole lot more. But see, here's the problem is that when we, we have to think that through, but at the same time, we don't want to lose compassion. Mm -hmm. So I don't even know how that works but i know that in proverbs eighteen seventeen it says the first to speak in court sounds right until the cross-examination begins so that story that i read oh yeah that seemed right these poor parents blah 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 until i heard the rest of the story and then you also wonder is the rest of the story true or you know all of a sudden you're having to ask all these questions and um and you don't that you don't really have answers to right you know so it's it's pretty pretty hard to bring even bring closure to that except to just you know if you if it really stops and catches your attention and you feel like you need to stop there for a minute then take the time to pray about it and ask the lord and and maybe write it down and pray about it and if the lord still is compelling you after time passes you know i don't know how much time but some time passes um and maybe look into it further but I mean, that's what makes this all so hard to navigate is there's really, nobody's really done this before. We're all just sort of like, we're making the map as we go, right? We're like the uh, explorers used to do. Yeah. <laughs> 
they take off and they just, they just, they map, they make the map as they go. And that's kind of what we're having to do. But I think it, that's why I think it's so important for us to really inquire of the Lord and seek wisdom from him because he has the whole picture and he's going to show us, this is my map for you. This is what, he's not going to give you the map for everybody else. He's going to give the map for you. And, and that's what we need to walk in obedience to. So, so we are at risk for losing some things when we expose ourselves to this information, right? Um, We're at risk for losing compassion, um, becoming desensitized in the wrong areas, like, you know, finding out that a GoFundMe story was a hoax and overly sensitive in others like political correctness. Now, I don't consider myself politically correct, but I have found myself um, sort of being uh, influenced by that, like being really careful about the words I use and um, trigger words. I'm real sensitive to that. And it's like, well, is that really where the Lord wants me to be sensitive? Is that, I mean, life and death is in the power of the tongue. It's true. We need to be careful with our words. But is that... But you are not responsible for someone else's lack of emotional control either. That's absolutely right. Good point. That is so true. Have you seen have you have you seen something like that happening or? Oh yeah, all story? the time. Uh huh. You are college aged, or anywhere around that age, you see that all the time, and you see it in your peers. And um, to me, it's just like I get a little sick feeling in my gut whenever I see it because I know that it's like it's not important right in light of right it's just, and they're so focused on this microscopic thing that they right. have blown up out of proportion exactly yep i totally out of the big picture that's right and and what happens is um we lose compassion because everybody is screaming for it and wanting it and and really the reality is they need more grit you know, the reality is they need to toughen up a little bit and um, and they need to understand what's important and what isn't. And so you've got all these people crying and wailing and moaning. And then the people who really need it are the ones who don't get that energy. Like, I feel like these these people who are just moaning and groaning and really are not legitimate when it comes to asking for all this compassion um, and and we, they use up the energy and the resources that should be directed towards the people who really need it. You know, you know, God says, um, you know, pure religion is this, to look after orphans and widows and to keep oneself from being corrupted by the world. That's in James. Isn't that interesting? That he would point out orphans and widows, those who are needy, those are the ones we want to minister to and those are the ones we want to pay attention to. Sometimes I just wish that nobody would give those other people attention. Like if they wouldn't get the attention, then they would just stop whining, you know? (laughs) Kind of like a two-year-old, you know, they're on the floor, you know they're fine, they just want something. Not my (laughs) two-year-old. So, you know, you see them kicking and throwing a fit and you just walk away, you know? You walk away and go, whatever, and and they quit. They go, well, that wasn't gratifying, right? And so, um, so it's just really, a, it's just, it's so much to wrap our heads and our hearts around. And I just think about how much we really just have at home in front of us. That's ours. You know, it's our garden to tend. And so many people are tending other people's gardens, you know, 
oh, let me pick that weed for you. And it's like wishing they had someone else's garden. Exactly. The discontent and the dissatisfaction and it's and it and the frustration that results from it, you know, comparing ourselves and thinking my husband needs to look like this, this husband over here. And the truth is God gave us our husbands and they're the perfect fit for us. And no, they're not perfect. And um, but but what do they what do they have? You know, let's let's look at the 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 great things that they bring into the family and the relationship and encourage them in those areas. And, you know, I could go on and on about that. I'm getting totally bunny trailing here. But point is, we don't want to allow ourselves to be kind of minding everybody else's business when when we've got our own garden to tend to you know and i even noticed our youngest will kind of start to uh, we'll be reading in proverbs about wisdom and foolishness and he'll want to say oh those people who do this foolish thing he wants to go off on that i i stop him every time and i say oh no no we're just taking care of our own garden so let's talk about what this looks like for us Tell us as kids, clean up your own backyard. Right, before you start trying to clean up someone else's. And I have found, okay, I'm, I'm true story, I'm turning 50 here in, a, in next month, and I am still working on my own yard. I don't have time for someone else's backyard. So, um, Anyway, so let's, we need to use discernment, right? And that's kind of what we're basically saying. Um, everyone will have an opinion on your subject. Uh, not everyone will have direct knowledge or credibility or research expertise. So we have to evaluate um, our sources upfront rather than wading through too many less credible inputs. So find those few places that you know are credible. And even then, of course, you're always going to filter them by the Holy Spirit. But don't have too many voices speaking in to your uh to your life I, I think it's just confusing and it brings a lot of anxiety and so um we have to think about those who are bringing this information do they know us do they care about us what are their motivations and so maybe uh you know if they don't really know us there needs to be a line there you know um like you like we were talking about earlier as moms like i said we already have several tabs open at the same time what eventually happens the computer crashes right and <laughs> and that is what happens to us we crash um because we're just at such a high level of um stimulation for way too long i don't we were not created for that kind of stimulation you could probably attest to that jenna mm-hmm. you can tell your story a little bit about how that affected you about just getting overstimulated with with technology yeah with technology oh my gosh which time <laughs> And you've kind of figured out a little bit sort of like where those lines need to be because you found yourself mm-hmm. literally having anxiety attacks. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Well, um, when I when I miscarried, um, I realized that technology was such a huge stressor for me and part of what completely overwhelmed me. And um, it really weighed into my emotions as far as whether I was going to share, um, what had happened mm-hmm. or not. Right. And, um, I just found that like, there was so much stress involved in that and just trying to keep a lid on things until I knew whether I was comfortable sharing or not. Um, 
it was so stressful. I just had to finally pull the plug for, it was two or three weeks, I think, that I just completely stepped away. And that amount of mental clarity that I felt in that time, oh my goodness. Like, it just made me never want to go back to the way things were before. Right, right. And then being a huge blessing that that feeling of being overwhelmed and realizing that feeling was haunting me all the time right. and um, such big things in my life and having such a big voice in my life that I, I realized I needed to, to have less of it. Right. And just, and have less of it and steward the little that you were involved mm-hmm. with, just steward it well. And, and how is that working for you? I mean, what are you seeing as the results? As a result, I'm just, I'm more aware of when technology is costing my family mm-hmm. and where I am storing up my riches, basically. You know, um, am I, how much time am I spending on this technology that it feels like having another child or... Right, exactly. <laughs> um, how much energy is going into this versus my almost three-year-old. When you stop and you step back and you evaluate it and you see how much it has just crept up in your life, like it's very, very eye-opening for sure. Yeah. Um, I have to draw boundaries. Yeah. I I have noticed um, just even in our conversations over the phone, you're, so much more relaxed and so much less wound up about things. And, um, it, I see a huge difference and I'm, and that's just the little bit of time I get on the phone and maybe, uh, FaceTiming with you. And so I am, I'm, I love it. I'm, I'm so proud of you. (laughs) Moms, moms get to say that, right? We're, I am so (laughs) proud of you. And you're an example to me because I've been noticing more and more just kind of where my boundaries are as well. And, um, part of the reason is because you were walking that out. And so we've sort of been like spurring each other on, you know, the Bible says spurring each other on to love and good works. And that's what this looks like is for us to be able to say, oh, yeah, this was, this isn't going well in my life. And these are the things, changes I'm making and, and uh, all of that. So, um, so the bottom line is we can never get away from the concept of sowing and reaping. In Galatians 7 to 11, this is the NIV version, it says, Do not be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Sometimes it's hard to be doing the right thing. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's hard to say no to things. But mm-hmm. God's saying here, don't go grow weary in doing well. Um, and also know that you reap what you sow. It doesn't matter. That concept is true across the board, whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian. The seeds you sow are what you reap. And so we are sowing seeds every single day throughout the day as we live this life with our kids and our husbands and and, and this life in our home, you know. It's such a, um, it is a place you are doing a huge amounts of sowing. And so if you can just, and watering and, um, you know, I want to say composting, uh, yes. ma- manu- manuring. Um, 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 there is it's, manure involved. 
<laughs> there is manure involved. This is true. You know, we have two grandchildren living with us now, and I'm I'm being reminded of that. Um, <laughs> yes, lots of poop. Anyway, moving on here. Um, <laughs> no, I actually have a funny story to share. About okay, <laughs> go for it. Um, I went to an an OB appointment or an OBGYN appointment. It was just kind of a first, you know, introductory thing. And the student was asking me really in-depth questions about my health and all that stuff. And Avi is telling me, Mom, I have to poop. I have to poop. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. <laughs> I, I thought she, because she sometimes does that just for attention. Right. And it, it, I'm not serious about it. Until I realize, I look over, and she's standing between me and this student who's asking me all these questions. And she's like, bearing deep red, <laughs> down. And those rooms are so small. <laughs> now that is a, a way to get rid of the um, the student, right? <laughs> really quickly, right? <laughs> oh my word! And I'm sure all the moms out there have their own poop stories they can tell, right? Okay, so um, so let's get to the closure of this. How do we use discernment when it comes to technology? So we've talked quite a bit about that, but I want to talk a little bit more uh, about knowledge and about discernment. And um, there's, a, uh, there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. So the, so the world says knowledge is power and God says knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Or First uh, Corinthians 8 says, um, while knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. So it is very tempting for us to want to take in lots of knowledge. That is uh, one of our downfalls of our human natures. We feel empowered when we have information, but the bottom line is if we don't have information and knowledge um, with wisdom and discernment, we don't filter it through that, um, it's it's actually overwhelming and it becomes a source of anxiety for us. Um, uh, if we go back to the Garden of Eden, uh, remember the knowledge of the tree of good and evil? Um, in Genesis 2, it says, The Lord placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and to watch over it. But the Lord warned him, You may freely eat of the fruit in every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do you find it interesting that it's called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? So this is information, right? If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Now in the commentary um, in my NLT study Bible, which I absolutely love, I would highly recommend that Bible um, to y'all. So here's what it said. The tree of life represented God's presence and provision. Okay, the one who ate of it would have everlasting life. Eating the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil enabled humanity's capacity for wisdom and moral discernment. So eating from it represented a human grasp for autonomy and wisdom that were God's alone. Humans, humans sidestepped God's revelation as the means for moral discernment flaunting their independence rather than submitting to God's will. So choosing human wisdom over God's instruction brings death and destruction. That's what the commentary said. I was like, that just nails it right there. Are we sidestepping God's revelation through his spirit and through his word, his revelation into our lives, showing us what he has for us, giving us that map, 
right? As we're, as we're drawing that map, as we go along the way, as we hear from him, we hear that through the revelation of his word and his Holy Spirit. Now, are we, but are we sidestepping that and instead trying to grasp for autonomy and wisdom from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? I just, mm-hmm. I love that picture because that really, I can ask myself that question if I find myself running to my phone or my computer to try to figure something out before I inquire of the Lord. And one of the uh, meanings behind fearing the Lord is to basically acknowledge him first in everything. And the Bible talks about that in all different places, seeking first his kingdom. Um, you know, Saul, uh, I think it was Saul, it, I can't remember, but set, probably I think actually several of the kings in the Old Testament were um, were basically uh, punished or um, had bad consequences for not inquiring of the Lord first. And so um, we can follow, uh, we can look at that example and learn from it. And that's what I love. You talk about wisdom and knowledge, two different things. They're both recurring theme- themes in the Bible. They're related, but they're not synonymous. Um, the dictionary defines wisdom as the ability to discern or judge what is true, right, or lasting. Knowledge, on the other hand, is information gained through experience, reasoning, or acquaintance. So, you know, reading stuff or whatever. Knowledge can exist without wisdom, right? We know lots of really smart people who aren't wise. Um, mm-hmm. But not the other way around. One can be knowledgeable without being wise. Knowledge is knowing how to use a gun. Wisdom is knowing when to use it and when to keep it holstered. Um, God, mm-hmm. God wants us to have knowledge of him what he expects of us in order to obey him we have to have knowledge of the commandments but as equally important is having knowledge as having knowledge is having wisdom so knowing facts about god in the bible is not all there is to wisdom right so i was talking to someone the other day about character development you know doing these deep character studies with our kids i never did that because i found that i would lose my kids in all of that knowledge and we and it, it there was nothing left to actually walk it out and to make it a real part of our lives so wisdom is a gift from god um james one talks about that you can go and read that i'll put that in the in the podcast notes um so basically knowledge is what is gathered over time through the study of scriptures it can be said that wisdom in turn acts properly upon that knowledge Wisdom is the fit, fitting application of knowledge. So knowledge understands, okay, this is like a, a word picture for you. Knowledge understands the light has turned red. Wisdom applies the brakes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, that really applies to what we were talking about. Like we feel our bodies uh, reacting, you know, in anxiety to mm-hmm. what we're reading. So the light's turned red and are we putting on the brakes? So, you know, we've got the knowledge now. Are we going to have the wisdom to put on the brakes? Knowledge, yeah. knowledge sees the quicksand. Wisdom walks around it. Knowledge mem- memorizes the Ten Commandments. Wisdom obeys them. Knowledge learns of God. Knowledge learns of God, and wisdom loves Him. So, I love that. It gives you just that that word picture of you know knowledge and wisdom and how they fit together, and how you can have knowledge without wisdom, but not wisdom without knowledge. Very interesting. So let's lastly, I'm going to close this thing up. Uh, ways to unplug. Um, you talked about a couple things that you do. Um, I'd like you to share some more. I'm going to just say that I turn off. All my Facebook notifications are off. Uh, does not My phone does not make noise when I get every notification through Facebook. Um, 
I also uh, Instagram that that's off as well. Those are the two social media outlets that I use the most. So I have those off and I just check them when I want to check them. And the other thing that I do is I shut my phone, the sound off, at least for the morning when I'm trying to do homeschool with the kids and just sort of get our day going. And um, it keeps me from being derailed in the morning because, boy, I tell you, once I'm derailed in the morning, it is all downhill from there. Really important. Yeah. Yeah. So um, anyway, tell uh, tell some of the things that you do, Jenna. Um, having... A certain time that you shut them off is always good. I don't always stick to that one. Right, right. <laughs> like I should. Um, but definitely keeping your phone in another room. Having rooms in your house or a room in your house where there is no technology allowed mm-hmm. is, is a good place to start. Right, right. Do you have a room for that? Um, usually our bedroom. Okay. Which is funny because we actually charge our phones in our room, but we don't really like use them in our room it's the charging room (laughs) I have a little I have a little sign above our bookshelf that says offline (laughs) I love it I love it so yeah turning the sound off and putting your phone in an inconvenient location I find that if it's on the counter I tend to check it if it's kind of just off somewhere I forget about it and it is it is so freeing um I keep it in our room mm -hmm. while I'm out in the kitchen or in the kitchen when I'm in my room. <laughs> right. Oh, there you go. Yes. On the opposite end of the house. Um, I shut off the Wi-Fi every night. Okay. Um, that's for health reasons too. But, okay. Um, it just feels, it feels good to shut it off. Right. Right. And, you know, we do a thing where we set certain times of the day as technology free. For instance, around the dinner table, nobody brings their phones to the dinner table. That is, that's a place for conversation. That is a place for us to reconnect. Um, especially, you know, when you have a lot of teens like we do, um, it's really uh, challenging because they want to take their phones with them. Well, I'm waiting for, you know, a message from work or whatever. Well, it will keep for 30 minutes, you know, um, unless you're a firefighter, which none of them are. So, (laughs) Or they think they might be going somewhere where they might have to wait and they might possibly be bored. (laughs) Right, right. And then also, um, you know, as far as younger children go, um, I know you work really hard to keep, um, you let Abby play for a little bit of time sometimes um, on her little tablet, but it's very limited. And um, I think that's really smart. I know some moms who don't actually let their kids do any technology and I, I say kudos to them too. I, again, I, I, what if, if I could, right? Well, and the thing that's interesting about it is I think that, um, the kids, uh, like you said, they, they learn to be bored and they learn to be now sometimes boredom brings out their naughtiness. Right. But then we deal with the character issues, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. well, yeah. You have to see those issues if you're going to deal with them. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so really not using technology as a babysitter per se, although I can say that there are times it calls for that. But again, it's just, you know, hear from the Lord on it. It's, you have a nine and a half hour plane ride coming up. I here. know you do. We're so excited because you're coming here. So um, yeah, we're super excited. Jenna and Abby are coming out on the 24th and uh, she's going to be here for two weeks and uh, we're so excited. We have 
lots of fun things planned. And then our son uh, who lives in Arkansas is flying out also for about three or four days during that time. So all the kids will be home and you people might not hear anything from me for a while because I'll just be having way too much fun. <laughs> so I, I guess I want to close with um, just be able to be okay with silence and slowness. I think um, our this technology, it just gets us into a whirling dervish so quickly and we don't realize how stimulated we are, how in a hurry we are. And and it's okay to like the calm. And it's funny, um, I think you mentioned this, um, once you experience the calm and the peace of, you know, not being tied to your technology, all of a sudden it's so freeing and you learn to love that time and space um, and want more of it. You know, we want to yield every area of our lives to the Lord, including technology. Technology should be our servant, not our master. So in 1 Corinthians 6, 12, I'm going to read uh, the verse in two different versions because it was so good. It says, everything is permissible for me, but not all things are beneficial. Everything's permissible for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything and brought under its power, allowing it to control me. And so that's what we need to ask ourselves. Are we yielding to the phone or are we yielding to the Lord? Um, The NLT says, you say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. So the bottom line is, who is your master? And um, and are we yielding our our this technology, this area of our lives um, to the Lord? Are we getting direction for our kids? Like, I don't want anybody to feel any judgment if you, you know, if you use a tablet sometimes or you use a computer for different things. That is totally your business. But I, my, I'm just here to encourage you to uh, seek wisdom and understanding from the Lord and direction from Him on how best steward this in your home. And, you know, what you're going to find is you'll find a plan that'll work for a while. And then uh, sometimes we accidentally loosen the boundaries and we have to bring them back in or we need to change things or, you know, you're going to constantly be reassessing this, but be watching for those red flags, be asking the Lord for wisdom all along the way. And he will never fail you. He will be faithful to show you uh, the best uh, way for your family at this season and at this time. So that is all for today. I'm going to go ahead and close with prayer. And next week, I want to talk about how to protect our kids from too much information. We'll kind of deal with more the the kid aspect of it and what that might look like. Um, and I'm excited about that. Um, so let's pray. Lord, we just come before you. I thank you for this time um, that you've given us to really uh, unpack this very new challenge that we have um, just in the last several years. It's just technology has exploded and it's not going away. And so it's something that we need to seek you on, Lord, and we need to get wisdom from you. And you said in James that if we asked for it and believed you for it, God, you would give it to us, Lord. We ask that you would bring it to us, bring clarity of mind and heart for every mom who's listening here and help them to know the plan that's good for their family as they seek your heart and, and yield to what you have for, for them and their family, Lord. We just thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your word and for the Holy Spirit that gives us discernment, God. We just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.